Welcome to episode 57 of Everything Sports with Aman and Evan. I'm your host, Aman and Connie, and everyone's not just talk about topic by topic like the Warriors lost I think five players Damian Lee, Bielitsa, Porter, JTA and GP2. I mean GP2 is a fan favorite. Everyone's criticizing the Warriors for not matching the offer and keeping GP2 but the reality is if they matched that offer they would have let go of Kevon Looney and I feel like with the signing of Dante DiVincenzo he can play some defense and he shoots better than Gary Payton the second. So I feel like out of anything the Warriors needed, they needed Looney more than they needed GP2. And I think most Bay Area fans think that. Obviously, Warriors players are sad to see GP2 go because they he was a big part of that Warriors team. It's just I feel like it came down to matching Portland's offer or if they match that, then Looney goes. And so with that, the Boston Celtics, like we're just going to go quick here because I know Kevin Durant, Kyrie, I mean, that's why you guys clicked on this. If you're watching on YouTube or this is why you guys chose my podcast on Apple or Spotify. And so that being said, the Boston Celtics gave up Aaron Neesmith, Daniel Tice, and a pick for Malcolm Brogdon. And by the way, they got Danilo Gallinari on a $6 million deal, I think. They essentially kept their depth from um, this last past season. They made it all the way to the finals and eventually lost to the Warriors. They just added the playmaking guard that they needed in Malcolm Brogdon. And then they just added Danilo Gallinari to replace Daniel Tice. And Al Horford and Gallinari are getting old, so we don't know because age is always a factor in sports, and that goes for every single other superstar as well. But Boston Celtics are the favorite to come out of these. That's the popular opinion, it seems. It's not my opinion because I don't want my episodes to be opinionated or biased. But... Boston, they've addressed their needs really, really well. And I'm not saying they can, but they still have enough depth to go after, like, a Kevin Durant. Obviously not Kyrie Irving, because it seems like the Lakers are going to get him inevitably. Obviously, health is always a concern, especially with Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis. But, I mean, yeah, Boston's addressed some really good needs. And 
Even in the NBA draft, the Pistons did really, really well. And New York Knicks, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, and uh, Julius Randle, that's maybe a play-in team. And it's no secret that Jalen Brunson was their guy when they hired his dad as the assistant coach. Julius Randle and other Knicks representatives went to the Suns Mavericks game to recruit Brunson. And people were saying that they're treating him like he's Michael Jordan and some things. And the way they got him to New York was if you're getting a college athlete. And Jalen Brunson is from New Jersey. So it was his dream to play in New York. There was some talk about him potentially staying in Dallas, but it was very clear that he wanted to stay in New York. Like they didn't even get a chance to match his offer. They told Brunson told them that his plan was to sign with New York. It's his dream to sign with New York, yada, yada. So, I mean, here we go, guys. Like New York Knicks cleared house to get Brunson, but we'll see how it pans out. And I mean, I mean, let's just look for a quick second at the NBA standings for this past season and where they could stand out. Like PJ Tucker is going to Philly. Philly got Daniel House, potentially Eric Gordon soon. Obviously, to pair with James Harden, got that chemistry going because they got now Tucker and Daniel House as well. So the New York Knicks were 37 and 45, six games out of the 10th seed. I feel like they're just a playing team because the problem is depth is really important. And right now, it just seems like a bunch of players without a clear leader. Who's a leader on New York? A team only functions with a leader. It's not to be a good leader. To be great, you just need a leader to keep everyone's head straight. Like, yes, you have a coach, but the coach is not playing basketball. Like, Derrick Rose is your leader? I mean, sure. Campbell Walker didn't even play well or – no, not didn't play well, but he didn't play much in New York. And he's about to get bought out by Detroit as part of that draft day trade. But you need, like, a player who's active on the court as your leader to support everyone. Because right now it just seems like a bunch of young guys playing recreationally on a court, not caring about stuff much. So now you got Jalen Brunson. All right. Who's your leader still? And I feel like that's something they need to address, maybe get, like, Pat Bev wouldn't be good, but I know this isn't a great free agent class compared to other ones. James Harden is still an unrestricted free agent, even though all signs point to him being in Philly. I mean, you never know. You just never know. And with that, obviously I'm not saying James Harden is going to be a Nick. He is an unrestricted free agent. Technically, teams can make a run at him. But, I mean, New York – They've got ownership problems. 
And I do like uh, Tom Thibodeau as a coach. And so I feel like it boils down to ownership and management. So we'll see what happens with the Knicks. I know they're a really popular basketball franchise, sports franchise, that they're always talked about a lot. So it comes down to it comes down to management really because you've got the players just around your stars with the right role players not necessarily stars just that is important and i put this on twitter and instagram when this katie and kyrie situation started in the off season the brooklyn nets and i guess we'll use that as a segue to talk about kyrie and kd the brooklyn nets traded all their assets all their picks just to get Kyrie and KD and to surround not to get Kyrie and KD just to get James Harden and with James Harden Kyrie and KD they're superstars that demand the ball much like I feel like Tatum and KD, both of them demand the ball much, but I feel like there would be some chemistry going going on there. And James Harden, ball dominant. Kyrie, ball dominant. Kevin Durant, I want to call him ball dominant. He just hunts shots a lot. He looks to shoot rather than the pass. I want to call him a ball hog, though. But Kyrie, James Harden, they got a lot of dribbling. They do a lot of dribbling, take a lot of time off the clock for possession. And so you got these superstars, ball dominant, they do have egos in the media. I know that's an opinion, but I feel like it's a fact now. And so you got talent. You're paying all these players, but where is the depth? Where is the chemistry? I know Kyrie and KD, yeah, there's chemistry there. But... I feel like when so many people talk about legacy, 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 oh, he didn't want a ring, he didn't want a ring, he didn't want that ring. I feel like ranking's not supposed to be that. It's supposed to be, did this have a player have an effect on the game? Not necessarily winning, but on the game. And then you compare their stats to others. You can't just rank them based on accolades. The accolades that should matter are maybe the individual awards, like Defensive Player of the Award, MVP, Comeback Player of the Award, All-Stars, All-NBA teams. That stuff should matter. In addition to their statistics, when you're ranking these players, because we get so lost in ranking players based on uh their winnings if their team won a championship and things like that but it's really unfair to them because basketball is not like tennis golf basketball is a team sport and that goes for football for example like that goes for baseball that goes for hockey that goes for any team sport you can't rank an individual player based on how the team plays you can rank potentially their leadership, their culture in the locker room. But when you're talking about like, oh, top five players, top 10 players, greatest players of all time, you can't rank it based on how 
the team did. And I feel like that's where everything is just lost. And so KD and Kyrie's situation, they're the superstars. The team revolved around them. And when you have no depth, what can Kyrie and KD do? Kyrie barely even played. So what could KD do? He's an individual player. And yes, he has a lot of influence on which players that come in and go. And so they addressed his needs with Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, and Andre Drummond, all three players that they desperately needed. Seth Curry was a good pickup. Drummond is now a Chicago Bull. And they're in the process of doing a Russell Westbrook for Kyrie Irving trade. Ben Simmons is a factor in this because he didn't play for Brooklyn. He said it was his back. He said it was his mental issues. And a lot of stuff followed after. And Ben Simmons is key here because I remember seeing a graphic on ESPN, like really good 14 players in the league that the Brooklyn Nets can't trade for, Ben Simmons is on the roster. Like it has something to do with contracts, when players were traded and whatnot. Ben Simmons is on the roster. Could we see Ben Simmons move? Because if this Westbrook deal goes through, and if KD leaves, or I, I don't know if I should say when he leaves, but Westbrook and Ben Simmons is an interesting team, to say the least. And I feel like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook's relationship is at a place where they, they're still friends. They respect each other, and they talk with each other more. They're like fr- They're more friends now than when KD initially left to Golden State. So could a Westbrook trade actually cause Durant to stay at least one more year and run it back with Westbrook? And yes, I've also criticized Westbrook, but I feel like Westbrook is a player that, okay, everyone keeps saying he doesn't have rings and things like that. But, I mean, the way Russia's skill set is, he he can't play next to another superstar that takes a spotlight. Like, it's not enough on Russ Westbrook. All I'm saying is you just need to surround him with good role players who can turn it up during some points and then just tone it down and let Westbrook do his thing. Because before this past season, I recall Westbrook getting triple-double after triple-double and actually rebounding after a shaky start in Washington. So there's that too. And the Lakers not agreeing to a trade yet because – you don't want to get Joe Harris's contract and you want Seth Curry instead. I'd argue that Joe Harris is just as good or an even better shooter than Seth Curry because Joe Harris did win a three-point contest. I know Seth Curry has some historic three-point shooting percentage numbers. Joe Harris has won a three-point contest. So I don't know why the Lakers wouldn't pull the trigger on this deal because – Kyrie Irving and Joe Harris. You've got a real good role player in Joe Harris. I think he could actually start for you, actually. You'll get Kyrie, Joe Harris, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and plug whoever you want at center because I know Anthony Davis doesn't like playing center. 
on paper, that's a championship contender. Because Kyrie and LeBron already have chemistry. And they did sign some players, average players, but this is when depth is important. And the Lakers have had depth issues. And now, all of a sudden, you got Kyrie getting into the mix without the Lakers giving up much depth. They're just giving up Kyrie Irving. They're just giving up Kyrie Irving, as I said. So the Lakers could be good. And on the flip side, Brooklyn, I mean, the James Harden trade really messed them up. And like D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jarrett Allen, Joe Harris, that was a real promising team. Don't forget, that team was 42 and 40 in the playoffs and almost made a good run in the playoffs. And now, that promising team, when you have picks like that, now it's like, now you really look back and say, I wish I hadn't done that. Because this Nets team was only two games better. Two games better than that. And got swept in the first round. Only team to get swept during this playoffs. And now, all of a sudden, you're looking back. You're back in the rebuild phase. And it really goes back to, again, ownership, management. You had other ownership and management last time when you had Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Paul Pierce, and Darren Williams teams. That did look like a decent trade. Everyone was saying the picks would be low anyways. The simple fact is we do our best to make predictions, but no one can predict the future. And a lot of predictions is using what you know in the past, making predictions for the future, when in reality, nothing can predict the future. I think, and I think that's, that's really important uh, here. So, I mean, let's see, guys. Like, Kevin Durant is going to ask a lot. It's going to ask a lot. I mean the trade package for him because now let's talk about Rudy Gobert for a little bit. Minnesota mortgaged their future for a 30-year-old Rudy Gobert. And yes, defense was a problem for them. And Rudy Gobert has three Defensive Player of the Year's award. Historic defender, like it or not. But I feel like when you take Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert to the perimeter, that's how you can exploit them generally pretty easily. Yes, Gobert is a defensive player of the year award, but that's at the rim. That's when he's hitting blocks. He doesn't go to the perimeter and play defense like that. He becomes actually some sort of a liability somehow on defense. And now we're looking at it like this is a really good squad. Minnesota's going on here. Minnesota gave up Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, uh, 
their draft pick, the Bombero guy, and then four additional first round picks for Rudy Gobert. Now you got Utah suddenly building for the future and also getting pieces like Pat Bevan Malik Beasley to help Donovan Mitchell. And obviously now Utah's priority. Hassan Whiteside is still an underrated center, same as Andre Drummond. Whiteside was criticized for not wanting to win, not taking care of his body in Miami, but Whiteside is still an elite shot blocker, elite rebound, just like Andre Drummond. Just like Andre Drummond. So now I feel like Whiteside can potentially get that starting role and keep it for a while. And I really feel like now is Donovan Mitchell's time. Like everyone's been criticizing him. Shaq's like, you're not a superstar yet. So Utah is obviously in a tricky situation. I feel like a Boston is, I think a Boston assistant's going to become their head coach now. Well, it's really intriguing because they always seem to fail in the first and second round when they make the playoffs. So there's that. They do have a lot of picks. I mean, a lot. And if things go downhill for Minnesota, Utah's got their pick. Winning is never guaranteed in sports is one thing that I have learned. But why does that matter to Kevin Durant? So now with this trade, Brooklyn can demand way more picks, great role players, because I feel like there's no secret. Kevin Durant is better than Rudy Gobert. And there's no secret there. So Brooklyn was initially demanding like a few good role players and a young star in addition to at least three picks. Could that go down to like a young star, a good role player, another player, and then five picks? I mean, we don't know. Reports are saying that more teams are dropping out of the Kevin Durant sweepstakes because, yes, Kevin Durant's a generational talent. You have to literally gut your team, gut your future for Kevin Durant. There's a good and bad side to getting Kevin Durant. This could be a trade that ruins your team for the future and the team gets all your picks and essentially bars you from building for the future properly um, as much as you would like. Or Kevin Durant leads your team to a championship because out of all the teams, looks like there will be another superstar or borderline superstar or a young star playing alongside Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant immediately takes your team from either a rebuilding team to a playoff contender or a playoff contender to a title contender. That's the effect Kevin Durant would have on your team. You still got like four, five, six years left of Kevin Durant. And he's under contract for four years. We just got to make him happy. Again, basketball is a team sport. We often see in every single type of sport, if the superstar is happy, then your team does well. That's just how it goes in sports. So whenever a team gets Kevin Durant, they need to make him happy at all costs. Otherwise, it's not going to be good. And with that, that wraps up episode 57 here. Thank you for listening. To my episode, be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram where I will tweet more about this. And there's no guarantee that 
when I post my podcast episode next time on either Tuesday, maybe tomorrow, but most likely Tuesday, that Kevin Durant could be on another team. Today and tomorrow could really determine a lot of things in the NBA. A lot of things. So the best way to stay connected to me, hear my thoughts, hear Evan's thoughts, following us on Twitter. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and see you on Tuesday for episode 58. Have a great week.